Welcome to Exhumed, an underground retrospective of arts and culture in the late 20th century. I'm James Wallace. On tonight's episode, we look at the ruts and the decline of British post-punk. The Ruts were a ferocious punk band that could play everything melodic punk to reggae rhythms. They traversed the categories of punk, post-punk, and rock, and should have been massive, but unfortunately, tragedy would cut their potential short. Childhood friends Paul Fox and Malcolm Owen had lived together in a commune where they formed a band called Asland. The Ruts would eventually form out of a London pub rock band called Hit and Run. Dave Ruffy was on bass, Paul Fox on guitar, and Dave Maddock on drums. Malcolm would join as the vocalist, and Dave Maddock would leave the band and Ruffy became the drummer, while Vince Seggs took over on bass. The band played their first gig in January 1978. The band members were disturbed by the rising racist National Front-related groups that were showing up at punk rock gigs. In reaction, the group played gigs for and associated themselves with the Rock Against Racism movement. The band recorded their first single, In a Rut, in April 1978, and it wouldn't be released, though, until January 1979. This plotting, mid-tempo, anti-suicide anthem was a call to arms for the socially dejected. The bass pounds through the song, and the midsection has Fox using feedback on his guitar to reference the dub reggae that the bands were big fans of. The B-side was the anti-heroin song, H.I.'s, which in hindsight was ironic, considering Owen's later involvement with the drug. The band up would end up doing two Peel sessions in 1979. After signing to Virgin Records, their next single would be the intense and chaotic Babylon's Burning, a commentary on the riots and general state of upheaval in the UK. The follow-up single would be the dynamic Something That I Said, with its powerful sing-along chorus. The song showcased how the band combined the energy of punk rock with the precision of an adept rock musicianship. The B-side was the reggae song Give Youth a Chance, a genre the band would continue to explore. In September of 1979, they released their masterpiece, debut album, The Crack. Both Something That I Said and Babylon's Burning were re-recorded for the album. The album highlighted the range of sounds the bands could play. The band could play fierce punk rock that merges with post-punk darkness, pub rock sing-alongs, and of course, reggae. The track Jawar is a full-on reggae song that still includes rock guitar and has lyrics inspired by the South Hall riots. The band gained a following and seemed to be on top of their game. But not all was well. Singer Malcolm Ohm was in the grip of heroin addiction. After a third Peel session in early 1980 and the release of the singles Staring at the Rube Boys, the three other members fired Owen because his addiction was getting gigs cancelled. In fact, their last gig ended up being the Plymouth Polytech one on February 26, 1980. Owen convinced the band to take him back in. He stayed at his parents' house to get clean. Unfortunately, he dabbled again, and on July 14, 1980, he died of heroin overdose. Their final single, West One, Shine On Me, was released in August. The band included horns on the track, and with the B-side, The Crack, 
They created a humorous song that referenced multiple music genres, including doo-wop music, and used all kinds of studio trickery. The band refused an appearance on Top of the Pops because neither the bassist nor the guitarist wanted to lip-sync Owen's vocals. The band would continue on as Ruts DC, the DC being Da Capo, Italian for Back to the Beginning. They released the album Animal Now in 1981, which continued in the similar vein as the Ruts, but slightly less intense sound. They then collaborated with famed producer Mad Professor and created a full-on dub album called Rhythm Collusion in 1982. The band broke up in 1983. When Fox got cancer in 2007, the band played a fundraiser for him with mega-fan Henry Rollins taking Malcolm Owen's role. Unfortunately, Fox would pass away that same year. The Ruts were an incredible, dynamic band that had the potential to be massive, but tragedy would ultimately crush that possibility. You may have noticed in this series that several of these bands created a more commercial and cleaner sound as the 80s progressed. The popularity of synth-pop bands and the Rue Romantics overshadowed the unique experimentation of post-punk bands. Video became the medium that bands used to get exposure to audiences, and commercial sounds were given preference by record companies. The irony of the situation of punk rock rebelling against the bloated indulgences of mid-70s rock is that the new wave, which was ultimately its offspring, placed an emphasis on commercial singles rather than allowing artists to express themselves. In a sense, post-punks were continuing the freedom and experimentation of the prog rock bands. But with the rise of Duran Duran, Flock of Seagulls, and their ilk, the dark elements of post-punk were considered an annoyance to record companies. Cleaner-sounding synth-driven tracks were the flavor of the day. There were interesting bands like Big Flame that kept the experimental edge of post-punk going in the 80s, and the sound of British post-punk had a huge influence on U.S. indie bands like Fugazi, Girls Against Boys, Sonic Youth, The Jesus Lizard, and Pavement. There would be a post-punk revival in the early 2000s, exemplified by bands like Franz Ferdinand and Interpol. And the British post-punk bands are still influential today. I know that I have not included all the British post-punk bands of significance. I did not include The Mighty Killing Joke, who I may do a series on. Nor do I include the great bands from Scotland, such as The Skids, The Fire Engines, and Joseph K. Please put in the commentary any British post-punk bands that you think I should have included. The British post-punk bands that operated between 1978 and 1982 produced diverse and incredible music. The artists allowed themselves to express their unique vision. In my opinion, British post-punk of the late 70s and early 80s was one of the richest genres operating in one of the best time periods for music. Thank you very much. I'm James Wallace.